What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. I want to talk today's episode in honor of Thanksgiving a little bit about gratitude, what people are thankful for. I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony and his effect on the roster. I want to close out the show talking about the golden opportunity ahead of the Blazers in December. But in honor of Thanksgiving, let's start with gratitude. I don't want to tell you what to be thankful for or list off all the reasons you should be thankful for the Trailblazers or whatever you got going on. That seems like a decision you can make on your own outside of a podcast. But I think there is this, in my brief time around Carmelo Anthony, that that now spans one game, the home game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, in which he scored 19 points, and the Blazers dominated a not very good Thunder team. An important win for the Blazers because they just hadn't dominated bad teams very often this season. In fact, they had been the bad team getting dominated more often than not. But to the point of gratitude, Carmelo Anthony is very authentically thankful for this opportunity with the Blazers. I knew that because he's played in four other games with them before that. People had written about how much he loved being back in the game. Uh, Jason Quick wrote a, of The Athletic wrote a long story about detailing Carmelo Anthony's first week with the Blazers. Joe Freeman of The Oregonian wrote another long story about uh, Carmelo Anthony rekindling his love with the game, finding his long-lost love. And other national media members came in too and wrote similar stories. They don't get a shout-out because <laughs> this is, I'm local media bias here. But I was struck by, after the Oklahoma City game, that Carmelo kept talking about how sort of appreciative and thankful, maybe not just for this opportunity he was now, but to be back doing what he loved uh, in the arena on Wednesday night when he was basically just dominating Terrence Ferguson or whoever, whatever small wing ended up on him. He had a spin and baseline dunk, and the arena's going nuts. They're cheering, Melo, Melo, as he comes out with about nine minutes left. His night's done. The Blazers are up 30. And he talks about that moment, how, how sort of special it was. I think he had appreciated just being back in the game. He told reporters while he was on the road that one of the things, this was after his first game against the New Orleans Pelicans, that one of the things he just missed was being on the team bus you know, doing the sort of going through shoot around, doing the the team things that you do. But I think that moment when the fans, when he got his first chance to be with the fans, it, it kind of resonated with him. And he talks about that a little bit about how sort of special that was to be appreciated again, to do what he does, which is score a bunch of points, but dominate people out of the mid post. We'll talk more about the X's and O stuff in the second segment, but you know, get the ball at 17 feet and jab step someone to death, hit a fadeaway, next time take him to the rack. And how appreciative he was to be back in an environment that really embraced him and to, and to feel that, that, that real moment. A couple nights earlier in, Tor- or in Toronto, in Chicago, when he had 25-8 and eight against a bad Bulls team and the Blazers won that one too, a real rare occurrence, two wins in a row, easy wins in a row for the Blazers. But Melo had his best game that he's had as a as a Blazer, his, his best game in quite some time, considering that he probably didn't have a game with Houston that 
was quite that level where he led the team in scoring and they won a game that they really needed to in his 10-game stint with the Rockets. And his wife was in the crowd and she's FaceTiming their 12-year-old son and she shows him on the bench the FaceTime of his son and he salutes Keon. It was a cool moment. He said he was sort of, he reflected on being thankful for that with the reporters after the game in Chicago. Thankful for sharing a special moment with his wife. Uh, Jamie Hudson of NBC Sports wrote about that one. All local media shout-outs here. So Carmelo has expressed gratitude for his family, for the, for the fans, for just being back with basketball. And I think that's the sort of fun part about his first stint, his stint back with the Blazers, is that he's really appreciative of this opportunity. I think I assumed that he was, I, narratives just get crafted about guys. I assumed that he was a little more arrogant, a little more superstar-y, um, and would act like he really deserved this and that he had been, um, you know, unfairly cast out by the NBA and now and now the the Blazers were writing that wrong and I I think the vibe around him is much more is much more like gratitude it fits the season he's he's truly and authentically thankful to be back and appreciating these moments the Blazers really need wins he's helping them win I'll talk about that in the second segment but he's appreciating just the first 5 games of his Blazer tenure and to that effect I've been struck with how much the Blazers vets, specifically Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, seem to really authentically enjoy playing with Carmelo Anthony. Watch on the bench when Carmelo is going to work and Dame's out of the game. The Terry Stotts has tweaked the rotations a little bit, so so Carmelo comes out early and then comes back and plays with the second unit. I think that's really helped him. But in those minutes with the second unit, uh, Dame's on the bench. He's got the big, he's got a big wrap on his back, dealing with back spasms. But when Mello has been cooking guys in the second unit, Dame has been going nuts. There's a video of him that uh, the team put out, the Blazers put out, of Dame really uh, seriously celebrating a Mello move in Chicago. But there was the same thing on Wednesday night against Oklahoma City, that Damian Lord up off the bench to the sort of coach's line, coach's box, screaming and yelling and clapping for Carmelo Anthony, cheering for a teammate like you rarely see him do. Not that he doesn't cheer on teammates, he's really, I'm not, that's not what I'm implying, but like a genuine joy for a veteran teammate that, that you haven't seen. CJ McCollum seems to just truly relish the two-man game with Carmelo Anthony. I feel like, and I think Joe Freeman pointed this out to me, and, I, and now I can't stop noticing it, but that CJ seems to play off Carmelo Anthony, like willingly passing him the ball and trying to get it back more than he does so with any other teammate. And and CJ said as much. He's like he they have lockers next to each other in the the home arena. And CJ has said just constantly positive things about what a good guy Carmelo is. Not not the basketball stuff. Not anything else. Just what a good dude Carmelo is. He seems genuinely thankful to have him around. So there's your gratitude. You can figure out what you're thankful for, but I think right now I have been struck by how thankful Carmelo Anthony and the Blazers' two best players are for Carmelo Anthony. The second segment, I want to talk basketball stuff. How Carmelo has helped this team, because there's no doubt about it that he's helped this team. But more importantly, he's made the roster make sense. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys about my bookie. 
calling all past, present, and future MyBookie players for this week only. MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a game against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You get extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come play, so quit waiting and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to sports bet but have lots of questions? Don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process, and the best part is, if you join now, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. And MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of that risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for this week only. If you're a true football fan and you don't want to let this opportunity pass you by, you simply can't lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so we talked gratitude, Carmelo Anthony's appreciation for the game, and his teammates' appreciation for Carmelo Anthony. Now I want to talk about the actual basketball stuff. What I'm struck by most with Carmelo Anthony is how much he makes the Blazers make sense. And it's not just because they had no power forwards on the roster, because Anthony Tolliver was the only power forward they had on the roster all summer, he's not good, or because Mario Hazonia hasn't worked out there. That's true. That is absolutely true, that they had this gaping hole and that Melo is just straight up better than those two dudes. And it's almost, it's almost comical. How much better Carmelo Anthony, 35 years old, signed off the street is than those two guys at that spot for the Blazers. But when I say that he makes the roster make more sense, I'm kind of thinking bigger picture. I'm thinking for the parts that actually play. He's definitely a better fill-in, a better substitute, but he also just helps everyone else on the roster kind of play their roles better. I talked in the first segment about how um, seemingly him and CJ McCollum are developing a two-man game, and if, if nothing else, he's just developing a trust where CJ will actually pass him the ball. But beyond that, he helps the rest of the the rest of the team kind of fit into roles that make more sense. Hassan Whiteside, a lumbering, slow big man who doesn't always roll hard to the rim, now has a starting lineup that surrounds him with four guys who can shoot. He just has more space in the paint. You can spread out to the corners because all four guys are bona fide shooters. The Blazers started uh, against OKC by getting CJ McCollum two basically unguarded corner threes, and then when OKC realized that they needed to maybe guard him, Hassan Whiteside rolled to the rim and had 14 points in the first quarter. He would have had 16, but he lost the ball rolling to the rim unguarded for what would have been an easy layup, or a dunk, I guess, because he's big. Um, But Carmelo, he makes that happen. The other other theoretical shooter, Anthony Tolliver, wasn't drawing defense like that. Defenders weren't respecting Nazir Little the same way, but they... There is some gravity with Melo, particularly because you know he's going to shoot it. So you want to get out there and contest. And that space has really helped us on Whiteside. It's also, and to some extent, helps Damon CJ just because more space and another guy that you don't want to double off makes it easier for Damon Lillard and CJ McCollum to attack. But beyond the starting group, where I think Carmelo Anthony has, I was a little skeptical of him. If you recall in this podcast, I, I thought he would become, I thought he'd be a bench guy. 
But guess what? He is a bench guy. Here's what here's what Terry Stotts has done to kind of make Carmelo Anthony part of the second unit. His first subs bring on Anthony Simons and Nazir Little. And instead of playing Nazir Little a long stretch like Simons gets, Nazir has just been playing about four or five minutes. You give Little four minutes, you give Anthony that four or five minute breather, and you bring him back in, and then he plays with the second unit. So now the second unit can be as CJ McCollum and Carmelo are the first subs, and then they then they've come back to play with that second unit. It's it's a really useful little um, little rotation pattern because the Blazers bench was kind of getting killed, and now it gives them a little more firepower in the second unit. But what it also does is it allows Anthony Simons not to be the offensive focal point. I thought early in the season the Blazers had decided that Anthony Simons was really good, which he he's good, and he will I think he will be really good. But he's not quite ready to shoulder this massive offensive burden yet. And by bringing Mello and and CJ back, or one or both, and it was both against OKC in both halves, I thought that was a really nice trick. It allows Simons to be, I don't know if tertiary scorer is the right word, but more of a complementary scorer. He doesn't have to be the focal point. He doesn't have to come down, run a pick and roll, and all 10 eyes on defense are on him. He can sometimes initiate the offense. He can float to the weak side. He can be the sort of secondary action on stuff. It allows him to take on a role that is a little more reasonable for a 20-year-old. In addition, I mentioned Nazir Little. Nazir Little has been really helpful. He plays hard every single time he's out on the court. He has this sort of chaotic energy that has really helped the Blazers. He was, while the Blazers were struggling in those games, he was fine as a starter. He didn't hurt the team. He, he can't shoot. He's not, a, he's not a great passer or anything, playmaker like that, but he can rebound. He can use athleticism to get by people and get to the rack. He just does stuff on defense by, by being 6'6 and really athletic and, and playing hard on every single trip. But now with Carmelo Anthony in tow, he doesn't have to play 29 minutes a night. I think he's played 32 in a season high this year. That's just too many for him. Eventually, he's a 30-minute-a-night player, but not at 19, not now. So with Anthony on the roster, Nazir Little is reduced to about 10 or 12 minutes a night, 10 or 15 minutes a night. And that's a perfect role for a high-energy backup, a high-energy rookie. It really fits what, what he can do. He can, he can use his bursts to be impactful in small minutes without the burden of having to play 30 minutes a night and the Blazers needing him for more than what he is. But the big one for me that I think I've been I've been most struck by is that Carmelo Anthony allows Kent Bazemore to do Kent Bazemore-y type stuff. He was really struggling earlier this year just because he he can't shoot right now. He's his he's shooting like 30% from the field on pull-ups. If he takes a couple dribbles and tries to get a shot off, he's not making those shots. But when when Anthony's on the court and 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 Bazemore sharing the court with either Dame or CJ or sometimes both and Carmelo Anthony, he doesn't have to be an offensive threat. He doesn't have to be the second scorer. Or if he's on that second unit with Simons, he doesn't. It's not just him and Anthony taking turns as the initiator, as the creator, and trying to get offense going. Because that isn't what Bazemore excels at. I thought he would be a little bit better at it, but he's really struggling. He's been okay as a spot up shooter. His spot up shooting numbers are good this year. 
But he hasn't been good scoring off the dribble, and I think his playmaking role might have been expanded beyond what was really valuable for him. And with Anthony on the floor, I think Bazemore is maybe the biggest beneficiary because now he can just fly around and play defense. He can spot up in the corner. He can be a threat to shoot standstill jump shots, and he can use his energy for cuts. He actually had a cut last night that got Scalabissiera dunk, and I don't think it was super appreciated. He, Carmelo got the ball in the right block on the post, and Bazemore came down what what, what I would call when I was coaching middle school basketball, a Laker, a Laker cut, so he would cut towards the post, like you were going to do a little post handoff, made famous by Shaquille O'Neal, and the pass never came. Bazemore vacated to the opposite weak side corner, but that action of coming towards the ball, running along the baseline, and then vacating, the defense paid attention to him. Two guys kind of pointed to him because Bazemore's moving at full speed, trying to make sure that they don't lose him as he gets close to the rim. As they kind of, those defenders shift, Scalabissier steps forward into a spot that that cut created, gets a wide open dunk. Bazemore gets to do stuff like that. Random cuts, random action, random energy. Mello makes this team make sense. I did not think I would be doing a podcast segment about how much Mello helped this roster. I am surprised. Not by him being better than Hazonia and Tolliver, like I said at the top, but how much his presence has kind of, has just obviously helped the offense. Mello has helped everyone settle into a a role that makes more sense. Now, we haven't seen them at full strength against a good team yet, and we won't until next Tuesday when they play the Clippers in Los Angeles. But that's what I want to talk about in the third segment, is that the Blazers have an opportunity coming up in December, closing out Friday against the Chicago Bulls and then into into December, where they don't play, they play a bunch of bad teams, a bunch of sub-500 teams. They have a chance to get their season back on track, but we'll know by 2020. We'll know by January whether this team is real. That's what I want to talk about in the third segment. The golden opportunity in front of the Blazers. All right, so we talked Mello's gratitude. We talked Mello's fit. Now let's talk about the Blazers' schedule ahead of them. Blazers are 7-12. and 12. But if you were in the locker room last night, you wouldn't have known it. There was a lot of positivity, a lot of optimism, good vibes, and confidence coming out of that Blazers locker room. That's what happens when you stomp out two bad teams. The Blazers undoubtedly stomped out two bad teams. They handled Chicago on the road. They handled Oklahoma City. There's some real value in just beating bad teams. I think, I don't want to undersell that. And I don't undersell that because if the Blazers are going to go where I think they can go this year, and that is a low-level playoff seed, baby, it's got to happen now. The Blazers play 11 of their next 15 games at home, including eight games against teams that are under 500, and another game against the Minnesota Timberwolves who are hovering right around there. That stretch starts with Friday's home game against the Chicago Bulls, like I mentioned, that same Chicago Bulls team who the Blazers throttled 117-94 on Monday. That same Chicago Bulls team that started a West Coast trip by losing to the Warriors. A loss so bad that Blazer fans remember it when this very these very fighting pinwheels lost to the Warriors. But now's the time for the Blazers. If it's going to happen for them, 
It's going to happen during this stretch. We'll know by January 1st whether this team is going to be back in the playoff mix or if they're just in trouble. Let me read off the schedule to give you a sense. Bulls at home at the Clippers. The Clippers are really good. I expect the Blazers to get throttled. Kings at home, Lakers at home. The Lakers are really good. They might get throttled there too. Thunder at home, Knicks at home, quick two-gamer, Denver and Phoenix. That Phoenix game seems like an important one. Then back home, Warriors, Magic, T-Wolves, Pelicans. At the Jazz the day after Christmas, home against the Lakers, home against the Suns. That's it. I would say if you're guaranteeing some losses in there, both Laker games, Clippers, at Denver, at Utah. That's five. That means 10 winnable games over the next month. 10 winnable games puts the Blazers back in the driver's seat. There's no way they win all 10. It's just, it, it's just not how it works. But there's also a chance that they steal one of those five that I have them pegged to certainly, certainly lose. Whatever the math shakes out, the Blazers have a chance to crawl back to 500 by the end of December. If they don't, if they are still in this space where they are now, five games under 500, or even if they're still four games under 500, if they don't make up space in this home-friendly stretch, make up ground in this home-friendly stretch, then I think we can start really worrying about blowing this team up. I I said in the last podcast that it's not time to panic, but it's not also time to put the panic button away. The Blazers have clear flaws and clear issues. Carmelo Anthony helps. He helps. He undoubtedly helps what this roster wants to do. And the beginning of the season was brutal. 13 of 18 on the road. In addition, the Blazers are 2-4 and four at home. So this home stretch, while it's meaningful, valuable, all those things, it doesn't guarantee wins. But what it does to me is it sets up an opportunity for, if this team thinks they're good, if this team that when they were really scuffling preached patience and all those things and said, we'll get there, everything comes back around. Damian Lillard said that, CJ McCollum said that. If that, all that stuff was true and we were to believe them, it's going to happen now in these next 15 games. It's going to happen in December. Because I just read you the schedule. Those are teams this team should beat. If this team fancies itself a playoff team, you've got to beat bad teams at home. Mello's here. The roster makes sense. It's time to go do it. And the roster makes sense considering its limitations. I don't want to go too far. But their role players have better roles with Mello in tow. And the schedule is coming back to them. It's softening up after a really brutal stretch to begin the year. December should tell us all we need to know about this team. Appreciate you guys listening. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. That's on Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. I appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.